What is up, fam? It is your boy, Mackin. I am walking back from the laundry room in uh, the Kinlay Hostel in Galway, Ireland. Um, I just booked a show, actually, next week. If anyone's in Galway, Ireland, I'll be playing at the Secret Garden um, at 7.30 on uh, next Wednesday, which I believe is January 28th. Um, yeah, come check out the show. I'm very excited. Um, Galway has become a little home away from home for me. Um, it's a nice small town, you know, um, but it's also very exciting and fun. But, you know, you walk down the street and you, uh, you run into people that you met the day before and Actually, I was just <laughs> I was just sitting in this little alley called I think it's called Buttermilk Alley or Buttermilk Lane or something. Just because I was busking all day and I was kind of tired of singing covers um, for strangers, so I just wanted to sing my songs for myself. <laughs> and so there's really good acoustics in this little lane, and I just sat there singing my own songs, and it was very nice. And then this stranger came up and he was like this Irish guy from Dublin, and he was like. <laughs> uh, like, oh, like, sing me a song, man. He, like, sat down next to me. And I sang an old, uh, an old Nova Darling song called This Is After. And uh, then he asked if he could play a song. And we sang uh, Ye Old Triangle, which is, like, an old Irish song. Um, Ye old triangle went jingle jangle All along the banks of the Royal Canal um, he had this really great Irish voice. Anyways, I never even got the guy's name. <laughs> he just came up, we sang a song, he left. It was, it was pretty magical. Um, and it was starting to rain. Anyways, uh, hope you guys are doing well. Got a great episode for you guys with Mason Summit, who is an incredible songwriter and a very kind-hearted dude. Um, I'm a big fan of Elliot Smith and Jeff Tweedy um, from Wilco. I feel like if you like either of those artists or both of those artists you're really gonna like mason songwriting um he is probably a bigger fan of both of those artists than i am (laughs) um but he's a killer guitar player and uh just yeah writes really good lyrics and so um here's the episode uh it starts with a song of his called uh hitting all the reds um which you can check out on youtube and he's got albums on itunes and spotify music i think his last record came out like over a year ago, it's called Gunpowder Tracks. Solid record, man. Check it out. 10 out of 10, would recommend. Um, yeah, here we go, guys. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Oh, and if you, uh, if you could review the podcast on iTunes and give us a nice rating, that would be very kind. Um, yeah, much love. Um, be nice to everyone that you see. Please, God, please be nice. Okay, here's the show. When you've got the lights 
too cold The black scratched record broke Houses from a catalog Lonely men walk weary dogs pass Women on their late night jogs Okay, I'm liking the rain. Yeah, it's good. It's, You're from here? You're from LA? I'm from LA. Where and specifically? Santa Monica, California. Oh, shit. So nice, sometimes man. it takes 20 minutes to get over here. Sometimes it takes an hour. Yeah. Oh, you, you're commuting from that? No, I'm not. Oh. But <laughs> just generally yeah. speaking. No, I live at Webb. Nice. Oh, heck yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Sweet. I love it. What? How did you... Uh, when did you start getting into this shit, like writing songs and playing guitar? And the stuff? whole music thing. Uh, uh, whole I've thing. been I've been playing guitar for like ten years. Um, my dad taught me a lot of stuff, and we would go to open mic nights. Nice. And I was really into Johnny Cash at that time. Yeah. And um, 
And then in 2011, no, 2008, I started taking real guitar lessons. Mm. And uh, I was studying with the same guy for like eight years until this this past year. Mm. And uh, yeah, I wrote my first song probably around the same time, 2008. I was 11. Who are your, oh shit. Yeah. Nice. Who are your like, I've been doing it. Dudes at that time that you were super into. At that time, um, Hank Williams, Buddy Holly, Johnny Cash. Um, then in like like the the forefathers. Exactly. Yeah. But then in sixth grade, I I took a detour and got into (laughs) Green Day, which is a very middle school, uh, obsession. Yeah. I missed that train. Like I'm bummed out. Like everyone around me. That was very much like of, you know, of the time. It is of the when time. When I was in middle school, it was like the band, and I just missed it, you know? I don't know. I mean, I was into the Ramones, too, a lot. Yeah. Um, but I first, Green Day's Green great. Day I think a lot of people hate on them unnecessarily. Well, a lot of people are doing what they do now, but without the stigma of right. like being sellouts. It's like, everyone, <laughs> it's okay to like Joyce Manor, you know, mm. which sounds like a Green Day cover band, but yeah. it's not okay like Green Day. <laughs> like, that's, unless it's ironic. I feel you. But I... I I see value in them. Yeah, they're dope, man. I I I used to listen to Dookie from time to time. Okay. That's a a good record, but I never, you know. It took me a long time to escape sounding like Billy Joe Armstrong. Really? Vocally. (laughs) I like, I really, my first like thing that I copied was his voice. Yeah. You know what I mean? I had the same thing with Jack White for like a really long time. Yeah, I couldn't get away from it. And when you're, when you're first starting to get that from people, you're like stoked. You're like, oh my God, I sound like my hero. Sick. Exactly. And then it very quickly becomes like a bummer. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, damn it. That's what happened. Exactly. Heck yeah. What happened after the Green Day phase? After Green Day, I kind of changed I changed course. Were you in bands and stuff like that? Were you, did you have, was there like a scene of people trying to do what you were doing or were you the lone wolf? Well, I mean, we're talking very early, like, (laughs) like middle school, you know, there were attempts at bands. I was going to be in a band called plasmic orgasmic. There were a lot of band names that never became (laughs) bands. Like we just would want to start a band because we liked this name, but we wouldn't actually like do stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in a lot of duos. Right. And I still am. Yeah. What's that one called? That you're I'm in The Clowns Will Eat Me. The Clowns Will Eat Me. And we actually started playing together when I was in seventh grade. Nice. Um, do you guys have like separate material that's just that that project? Or do you guys kind of do each other's songs? Yeah. No, it's all exclusively co-written nice. material. There's no like, like we take someone, one of our songs and do it together. Right. It's like we want it all to be completely equal. Mm-hmm. Or else it's like oh, no, I want you to play it this way, or, like, that's right. not the right harmony, versus totally. if you write it together, it's like you each kind of have a say in what it is. Ah, totally, man. And who's that Who's that other guy? His name's Spencer Shapiro. He goes to CalArts. Nice, man. He's had some songs in movies. He's like... Really? He's a good guitar player. Oh, heck yeah. He went to Berkeley College of Music for a while. Nice. Hated it. Uh, I can speak for him on that. Yeah. Um. So in seventh grade, we, we wrote a song together that's still up on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, we were calling ourselves the Dove Brothers at the time because we both wanted Gibson Dove guitars, yeah. and mm. which I don't, I don't get it. But that was my only real collaboration. I've always been right. kind of a lone loner, lone wolf. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, I feel you, man. I'd love to get a band together. Yeah, but it would have to be like, would it be Mason and the Boys? It would be Mason and the Jars, <laughs> preferably. Oh. Yeah, like That's Mason safe, Jars. Mason the Jars. I, I get it. I love it. Power. Tri- <laughs> I would like it to be a power trio. I think that's... Yeah? Yeah. That'd be sick, man. Yeah. Did you play electric? 
Yeah, probably. I'd love to play bass in a band, to be honest. Ooh, yeah, you were telling me you yeah. play bass, too. I do play bass, and That's I'm going sick. into intermediate drumming proficiency Ooh. next semester. With a run? Um, I think still with Chris Brawley, TA to Peter Erskine. Okay, I haven't he's, met him. He's a doctorate student. Nice. He's good. I think the lineup has changed. I love drumming. Over the years. I really me love too. that class. Yeah, I Everyone love, complains yeah. about it. <laughs> I love it. I know that class is so freak fun, man. Like it's a good time and especially for me cuz like drums isn't like what my main thing is at all. But also like when I play, I'm just like having fun, you know. Yeah, I mean many days out of the week if you want to find me in the middle of the night, I will be at the drum lab. Yeah. <laughs> I have a playlist <laughs> and everything. Really? Yeah. Heck yeah, man. Yeah. Nice. How did you um cuz you have like a bunch of records out and stuff too. Yeah, three. And when then did that we start happening. Um, well, I was in ninth grade, I was working with a producer who had kind of had his heyday in the eighties mm-hmm. and was like a real pop guy. Yeah. And it was really it was a cool experience, but it started to get kind of weird and like Did you kinda take the direction his way? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were just the songs that he would want to work on would be the songs of mine that I hated. Right. Um and then so it kind of fell through and then I was really bummed because we were kind of making a record. And so then I yeah. really wanted to make a record. Um but that mm-hmm. happened to correspond with um my mom's boyfriend is uh, a local side, like a sideman and guitar player and engineer, um, has his own studio and knows a lot of musicians. And so we went in four years ago and made my first record. Yeah. I probably had too much of a hand in it looking back, you know, I didn't really know. I didn't have any business doing mixed notes, but, um, <laughs> Oh, the drums yeah, sound exactly. huge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so there, you know, there was some like Green Day telephone effect and like that sort of thing going yeah. on. But that's sick that he like gave you that much input, though. You know, Cause yeah, because it's, it's still your your record. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like you know, it's a professional relationship. It's it's work, and we, mm-hmm. you know, like I pay him and stuff. But yeah. it's still just it's a really cool, comfortable vibe. And so mm. then I did another one. Two years later, and then now I did another one that I spent the whole last year not being in school, kind of making. Dude, that's so. And and it's it's a lot better. Uh, What? That's gunpowder tracks. Yes, you did your homework. Yes, it is. I haven't checked it Um, out yet, but like saw the saw the. Yeah, the uh, the first song that I played just now is uh, that's on it. That's the single. Woo! It's a lot more ornate of a record yeah some would say overproduced <laughs> not i yeah nice man and do you do much like gigging around town or yes yes i've been doing mm. that since for six years yeah eighth grade i guess it was really yeah there was a place called room five yeah i used um, to play there before it closed it closed yeah but they gave me one my of the first best fucking as far as like songwriter music amazing you could just listen and it was a like, listening room and it was woo. For music lovers. Yeah. And it was... Especially because it was out of the way. Like, people mm-hmm. had to intentionally go upstairs. Exactly. So like, that, like, you were there to oh, hear the music. You could be dynamic and, like, you could get quiet and... Oh, God, man. It was an amazing room. Amazing chairs. Yeah. These red yeah. leather chairs. <laughs> yeah. And, um... I played a few shows in there, like, when I got here. Because when, yeah. when I came here, it was, like, kind of the, the place to play for, like, songwriting majors. It was. And now, it's really sad that it's gone. I miss Rest it a lot. But, yeah, they're, um... 
Genghis Cohen. That's kind mm. of the last one standing. Really? Wits End. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In Venice, that closed down. It did. Uh, yeah. No wonder why they haven't emailed me back. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that was a really fun spot. And then there yeah. are, you know, there are all the bars, um, but I'm not yet 21. Right. And like none of it's my... It's hard with a bar with a one-guy yeah. guitar thing, man. That's... It's very daunting. It's... um. I think it's a good experience. Oh, definitely. To play your songs when no one's listening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you just have to find your own enjoyment. That's true. In it, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I do a lot of that. I do... Um, I played a lot of poetry readings, actually. Nice. How do you, um, how'd you get into that scene? My mom does a lot of poetry events, and she's a poet. Yeah, and um, that's awesome. So kind of her shows, and then through her, I've met a lot of people that do stuff that I'll play at. I'll be like the musical guest right. in a lineup of readers. So like, I've cool. been playing at you know bookstores and really anywhere that'll have me. Pie places. Yeah. You'd call it pie shops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like a change of scenery. That's yeah. awesome, man. That place, that place, Republic of Pie. I love Republic of Pie. It's Major cool shout out. Yes. <laughs> nice, man. Well, what are you listening to these days? You know, I get in ruts. Yeah, I, I we really, the other day I get stuck. You were in the Elliott Smith B sides rut. Yeah, like, yeah, and that's like it's a super pretentious thing to say. That's okay. You know, first, first I listen to all of someone's studio records, and right. then I go down the rabbit hole of the bootlegs <laughs> and the live shows. Are like, oh, he played this song live but never recorded it, mm. or like yeah. this was a B side or this was a one off single. You know, that's the best though when you find like an artist who's just like whole whole universe you get obsessed with. With, you know oh yeah and that's it's, the best it's pretty rare for yeah. me um because it'll be like one person for several months right you know what i mean um i've been trying to listen to more current music because i just <laughs> feel out of the loop really do um yeah i was going into the elliot rabbit hole because it's that time of year yeah <laughs> it's fall you know fall and winter yeah um man. but other than that there was the new wilco record yeah. Um, what did you think of Schmilko? I liked it. It kind of... I was listening to it a bunch for a couple of weeks. Right. And then it just kind of disappeared. I don't know. Yeah. I was listening to it today. <laughs> it didn't... I, I thought it was really good, but it didn't make a huge like impression mm. on me. That's a I good, don't know. Good way to put it, man. But I love them. I mean, that's been... Of course. That's been what I've been listening to for the past year or yeah. so, year and a half. Them nice. and then the band... My timeline, I really do have like a timeline of like, yeah. oh, this time in my life I was into this artist. Well, that's kind of the best you know? too when you, and especially like if you listen, you're like, oh man, Joni Mitchell, junior year of high school. Exactly. Like whatever. That's <laughs> you know? totally it for me. Yeah. I have, you know, different grades, mm-hmm. different records. Relationships even. Different relationships. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. So, and then, you know, one artist will get me into like, well, who did, who were they into or Right. Who did they like to play with? Stuff like that. So that happened. The band led me to this guy, Bobby Charles. Ooh, never heard of him. Did he they wrote play with him, or um, Rick Danko from the band produced a solo record for him. Okay, that featured four out of the five band members on it. Sweet, and like Doctor John, and yeah, it's yeah, a very yeah. swampy record. Um, nice. This guy was a songwriter. He wrote See You Later, Alligator, the mm-hmm. 50s uh, rock and roll hit. And um, he never got a lot of credit. He played at the last waltz. Um, but it's a great record. It's just called Bobby Charles. Oof. 
it's very down home. Yeah. Very, it's just amazing. I gotta it's check it sloppy, out, but in a great way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just loose. I feel you, man. Which is something that I strive for. Yeah. You're trying to get out of the on the grid sound. I'm trying to get off the perfectionist thing, yeah. you know? Like comping like 20 vocal takes and like <laughs> that sort of yeah. thing. It's It gets very tiresome. It but does, I man. just can't help it. I just... Yeah. That's what I do. I feel you too. I was listening to Robin Pecknold talk about because um, he's working on the they're new They're getting back together, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're working on the new Fleet Foxes album, which I'm very excited for. But he was saying he like he always wanted to do something. And like the original plan for the third record was to do something kinda like have you ever listened to Astral Weeks by Van Morrison? Yeah, I just got it. It's um, a really dope record. I've been starting to check it out. It's yeah. mostly live right. stuff. It's like very like the arrangements are very loose. Um and it's a lot of just like Kind of these folky, slightly jazzy jams, you know? And so they're just Yeah, I read that he, like, didn't tell them, like, didn't give them charts. Yeah. They just had to follow him, kind of, those musicians. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so it, and it's really, it's really awesome, you know? And it's really, like, just, I don't know, it feels very immediate and cool. And they were talking about wanting to do that, but then Robin was just saying that he's such a perfectionist that, like, ultimately he would never feel comfortable, (laughs) like, trying to do something like that. Well, it's weird because I have like a double standard about it where mm. I love hearing that on records. Yeah. And then when it comes for me to do that. Totally. And it's like, oh, this string was buzzing during that take. Yeah. You know, then I won't I won't keep it and I'll have to change it. Totally. But all of my favorite records are kind of that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're, totally. I like people that don't have the best voices and like. Yeah, man. It's, I definitely hold myself, I guess, to a different set of <laughs> rules. Yeah, you know. and it's it's hard when you set a precedent as, for as far as, like, how you sound to, like, deviate from that. I mean, obviously, like, you know, your sound evolves and whatever, but, I mean, because, like, I've always wanted to make, like, a bedroom album, you know, and just something I'm doing like, that right now. You are? Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's, I feel weird because, like, I, I have, like, a couple EPs out, um, and they're, like, they sound, like, pretty, like, studio clean sounding, you know? And, like, I feel like in the normal trajectory of a career, you go from, like, the bedroomy apartment stuff to, like, right. then the studio standing stuff. And if it would, like, just be weird or disappointing to, like, almost take a production quality step backwards. Right. Know, but for the sake of... I don't know. You have, like, um, Nebraska by Bruce Springsteen. Mm. Like, after doing all these, like, major label records going in yeah. to your bedroom with a four-track... Or whatever, which I'm not a fan of him, but I just think it's a cool thing <laughs> that he did. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Are you like adamantly against Bruce Springsteen? I have not liked like... a single thing that I've heard, <laughs> but I mean, that could just be me. Yeah. Um, maybe I haven't heard the right stuff. No, I mean, I'm not a huge Bruce fan, but I really, I don't know. I'm I get into a lot of arguments good. about it. Really? I do. With <laughs> friends' dads, mainly. That's kind of the main thing. Yeah, he's a he's an interesting one because like I feel like he's like the poet for, I don't want to say like, mm, I don't want to say bros because that's the wrong thing. But I feel like he has an interesting way of connecting with like men, you know, Mm -hmm. and he can kind of be tender and like allow kind of like manlier type of types of dudes to kind of express that. Totally. I think he serves, he fills a need in in certain people. (laughs) Yeah. I can respect that. You know, a lot of things religion does that it's not my thing either but but i'm not gonna argue you know right with someone about it hey you yeah. know it's all good so i do like that he went and made a home spun album yeah 
Because the main thing I don't like about him is like the big, like overblown, like E Street bands, mm-hmm. saxophones, like that kind of thing. You know, <laughs> which is weird. I always rail against overproduction, and then listen to one of my own <laughs> records, and it's like, oh, like electric sitar, fretless. You know, just like all this unnecessary stuff. That's badass. Though, Again, man. it's a different different set of rules for myself. Yeah. So what's this? Uh, were you working on some homespun now yourself? Yeah, I started while I was still finishing the album that just came out. I was still writing. And I was doing demos, and I was just like, all of a sudden, they kind of started sounding better than they used to, and yeah. I just noticed that I was improving as an engineer, and yeah. still not great at all, just mm. kind of intuitive. Same. Um, you know, you learn trial and error, EQ yeah. and compression, you just kind of see what sounds good. Totally. Um, I have but, no idea what I'm doing with EQ. Yeah. <laughs> you just, just like, have I'll to put that little you just up. fiddle with it, you know, and <laughs> yeah. then see what sounds good. You tinker. Um, yeah, I was just doing a lot of retail therapy last year of, uh, mm-hmm. of gear and like, you know, listening to a lot of homespun sounding things like sparkle horse. And, um, yeah. So I was getting like into like some synthesizers and yeah, really old drum machines. Um, yeah. and I got this mic that I love and I just started feeling like if I went to record these songs in a studio, I would be chasing the demo. Right. Or I'd be like, here, let me just import this track that I recorded at home yeah. into the studio and <laughs> use that. And like that seemed kind of counterintuitive to yeah, me. You totally. know? There are limitations. There are songs that I would want drums on, you know, but I don't right. have drums and I don't have I can't mic drums. Yeah. But it kind of forces you to think of another avenue to achieve the same effect. Right. Totally. Or like it makes you get better at bass because there's <laughs> not someone else playing bass for you. Right. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Or, you know, drum machines or just using other other instruments because you don't have the one that you want. Yeah. And then getting something like sort of unique sounding out of that mm-hmm. set of limitations. And when I was just like, it's not like I'm working on it like an album where I write all the songs and then I go in and lay them all down. It's just I record them as they come and... What I like about that is I, thinking of them as demos, I don't give them a lot of thought. Mm-hmm. You know, I make up the bass part in a few minutes and like right. the vocals, like it's not like I'm necessarily like warming up yeah. always beforehand and like, or I'm not giving a lot of thought to like which guitar would sound good, which yeah. maybe that's, maybe I should be. We'll see when it comes out. But, um, <laughs> but it's fun because it's, it's just less of a drag to record it. Yeah. I love just going into my room and spending a few hours and then I come out with this thing. Yeah. That's complete. It can be frustrating and like kind of lonely by yourself sometimes though. Like it's kind of the only thing I can focus on for mm. an extended period of time. Yeah. Is recording. That's dope. Um, sometimes I'm just like trying to track vocals and like between just like going up to stop and then go back. and. Forth. Oh yeah. Like, that's, that's a hassle. <laughs> you get in your head about stuff and, yeah, when you have to do everything yourself, it can slow you down and it can speed you up. Right. It really depends yeah. on what you're doing. Super true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I want to hear your little home thing. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm not really... I'm just talking about it at this point. Okay. <laughs> like I have it. I'm, I'm just assembling weird I haven't, little... Yeah, I haven't recorded really since I've been at school. Yeah. But I could always just hop on the metro and go back home and do it so it's not much of an excuse yeah i mean i'm I, yeah i mean especially while i have the space to myself i like i should hop on you gotta it, take man. advantage of that yeah i mean it's um yeah it's silly that i don't um 
Because there's always, I don't know, there's always a reason not to. I'm like, oh, I'm going to wait until I get like an electric guitar because that's what I want to really right. sound like. You can but. make up these excuses. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. But yeah, so, it's something I definitely want to do for sure. I've been doing that too. Like I got a new guitar. Yeah. New acoustic guitar. And now I'm like, okay, I have to retrack all of the acoustics because mm. this one sounds better. <laughs> so I'm going to go back. You yeah. Know, and that's kind of a dumb thing to do. I don't know. <laughs> you might as well just like keep it. Right. leave it i don't know well there's just so many great records that i like that just when i think about how they're recorded i'm like that sounds pretty bad like if i'm thinking <laughs> i'm listening to it like as an engineer or something but like there's some oh, of yeah. my favorite albums like what there's this one record by a band called no bunny it's called love visions and it just yeah. sounds like trash like it's a horrible album <laughs> but yeah. i mean it's one of my favorite records Inter- like sonically yeah speaking. i just mean like yeah like how it was recorded like yeah. things aren't lined up very well i've um, been so into that vocals have like are just they just sound like cheap and bad but like i don't know there's a magic like when it all kind of lines up mm-hmm. yeah i mean there are two records these two neil young records that i've been listening to mm. that are very very sloppy yeah um on the beach and tonight's tonight yeah, yeah, yeah and so tonight's the night was recorded at sir rehearsal studios really yeah i did not know that and so that's obviously not a recording studio Right. Kind of makeshift setup. Levels are really weird. Like a lot of things are muffled, mm. but it's so cool. And then on the beach, it's like, okay, let's go to Sunset Sound, great yeah. studio. But then let's just put out the rough mixes, the the board mixes. You really? know, that's what it was. Yeah, damn. And it's um, <clears throat> I just like that because it's courageous. Yeah, to me to exactly. leave that kind of stuff. And you got to really trust the songs. <laughs> you do. Point. You have to say like. <laughs> Even though I'm doing these things to kind of impede the quality of it, this song is strong enough that people will hear it and love it in spite of or because of yeah. the flaws. That's true, man. It does it does take balls. Like I I don't know, it's just always to me like the difference between like a even just like after mastering or something, it like sounds so much better that I'm just so like scared to <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> put something yeah. out. There's but. um there's the band did a cover of The Great Pretender by mm. The Platters. Mm. And oh, really? Yeah, they did an oldies album. Like, oh, really? When they kind of were falling apart. Yeah, called Moondog yeah. Matinee. And there's a lot of old, like Bobby Blue Bland and Laverne Baker and Sam Cooke. Like, Whoa. amazing selections. I really only know, like, music from Big Pink and then, like, a couple of, like, greatest hit stuff from that. Yeah, the, the first two albums are really all you, like, the essentials. But right. this album, this has this cover of um, Great Pretender and... Like his voice cracks, um, <laughs> just straight up, um, yeah. on a high note, and it's kind of the emotional peak of the song, and it's like it works so well. Yeah, it wouldn't have it any other way. But like, I would be humiliated if I put a record out that had my voice cracking on it. Yeah, but it's like, what a great choice. Yeah, that's why it's helpful to have people around. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes, like, if I'm, I don't know, I've recorded a couple things just like with bands and stuff, and stuff where i'm just like i want to scrap the entire vocal and everyone's like no (laughs) you know yeah that's true i mean when you're working with someone else and you have different attention spans and different priorities like yeah that happened like you know spencer didn't like his parts on a song that we tracked Mm -hmm. like we tracked three songs in a day and it was really fast and fun because it was so fast and i never do that and live and i was just like no like it would just be such a drag right now to go back and like redo stuff. Like this is like the performance. Yeah. That we, 
if I wasn't happy with my performance right. on that, maybe it would, I would be a little less un, more understanding. You yeah, know? It's, it's easier to be stoked on the imperfections when it's somebody else's. Exactly, because <laughs> it's not making me look bad. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, oftentimes you know I can't hear something that other other people hear yeah. wrong with it. You know, mm-hmm. or if I'm looking back on my old records and I'm like, I would have mixed this differently. Yeah, or like this guitar tone wasn't good. Like. Who else is thinking about that? Well, I mean, who else is listening to it, let alone thinking about the mix? Yeah, I feel you, man. I forget that. I forget that nobody thinks in those sort of like hypercritical detail. Like I did a, um, an EP where I was just, I was playing and singing at the same time. And so the vocal mic and acoustic guitar mic were like slightly out of phase. So there were just like a couple weird spots, you know, but it was just one day in the studio. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't just like retrack it or something. And, right. It sounds fine, but like once the engineer pointed out the phasing issue, I was like, ah! you know, and you play it and no one, it's either like good song or bad song. You know That's true. Yeah. I mean, now I probably am a little more nitpicky with yeah. other people's records, totally. which I don't like about myself. <laughs> um, and yeah. that's why I love like watching movies because right. I don't know what's good acting yeah. or good directing or like what's a good shot. Yeah. I just know if I like the movie. You're not thinking about the blueprints. Yeah, versus it. if I'm with an acting friend and they're just tearing it apart. Like, yeah. I just like, I go to a movie to just enjoy it, you know, yeah. entertainment. And I have to keep in mind that other people do that, but with music. Right. And totally. that's, it's hard to remember sometimes. And they aren't thinking about like, oh, this, uh, the snare's a little bright. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is something that h- held up this record really for a while is me fiddling with the snare EQ. Oh, damn, man. Yeah, it was really lame. So how do you feel like, I mean, just putting out three albums, that's like so badass. Um, like writing-wise, do you where do you feel you are now versus like that first album? <clears throat> is, um, there, is there an arc there? Yes, I would like to think so. There was a <laughs> while in high school when I was just like, I was very much like thinking of like my narrative and my image and like, you know what I mean? I was thinking of my career that didn't really exist and still doesn't really. But, um, but I was just like, wow, did I peak in 2011? Like in November, 2011 when I wrote like five songs. No, there are, I still play songs from the first record. That's awesome. There are songs that I can still stand behind. There are some songs that I think are totally just a time capsule of right. a 15 year old but i i've always been aware of my age and always there's no shame i think in just reflecting exactly where you are yeah what what i don't like about songwriters my age or younger um is when they try to be like timeless you know or age <laughs> or ageless i think you always when yeah. you try for that sort of thing you fail Totally. And you achieve it when you're not trying. Absolutely. So, or like when really young kids writing about like year long, like marriages. Yeah. Like so that. like I'm fine <laughs> just writing about my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't. So I listen to those records and yeah, like maybe there's a song I wouldn't have written mm. now, but. Um, and how old are you now? 18, 19? I'm 20. 20? I'm really old for Heck the grade. Yeah. I took a gap year. Heck yeah. Oh, did make that record? Well, yeah. Well, really. That's what I said. But no, I took a gap year because I didn't know that I wanted to go here until July of last year, mm-hmm. which was obviously too late to apply. <laughs> so I had to just wait it out because I didn't want to transfer. Though. I wanted yeah. it to be a first year. 
I'm jealous, man. Like I, I wanted to take a gap year really badly. Like I'm, I'm glad I didn't because like I like the people in my grade and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that was like really appealing to me at the time. Just like what a cool time of life to not be in school. Yeah, for a it second. was. Um, mine was not the ideal one. Probably mm. it was pretty depressing. Really? Well, I was just here. I was making the record, which was cool. But um, do you have friends that were like going off to school and stuff? Oh yeah, I had a few friends here. But really, the main thing was that I wasn't taking the gap year for the gap year i was doing it just because i had to right right. i would have loved to be in school at that time mm. you know what i mean if i had been able to start this school last year yeah totally would have but was it worth it yes it was yeah and you know i wrote some cool songs i i probably spent more time on the record than i would have yeah or should have mm. some would say um yeah but it's it is weird having stuff out there mm-hmm to get back to your question from like four years ago already, yeah. you know, when some of my friends haven't put out their first thing yet. Yeah. Um, I go back and forth with it. Totally, man. I think, but that's like, you can't just go back and like fix everything. That's kind of, it has to be it, messy, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? And I just have to remember that to me, like it was perfect at the time. You yeah. Know, every, anything that I hear now is, is not accurate to where I was at the time. Totally. That is where I was, you know? Yeah. And you're going through, I mean, like maybe personal revolutions with your writing and stuff like that. But I don't like even hearing like some, like, uh, I don't, I don't know, like Neil, I'm like Neil Young, like, like later in his career, like wouldn't play like, sh- you know, sugar mountain and things like that. Cause he's like, that was such a long time ago. Yeah. And just to remember they're like, Oh, even, uh, I don't know, like, when you're listening to an artist, like, even, like, Radiohead, it's like, man, Pablo Honey, like, pretty good album. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know they don't like it at all, but, like, to remember that people aren't hearing it necessarily. Yeah, I way. mean, it's we're just people, artists have a different relationship to their work than anyone else does. Right, that's what I was and, trying to say for, like, nine sentences. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true, though. And, like, I've heard... Not to bring Elliot Smith into every conversation I have with anyone. <laughs> no, but I've this heard the place. I've heard recordings where like people will shout out this song um, that I really like. Yeah, and he'll be like, "Oh, it's long and boring. Like I'm not gonna <laughs> play it." Or he'll just be like, "I don't remember any of my old songs." But those are the songs people like wanted to hear, and it's like, yeah, it's a tricky thing to balance. Mm. I think. Like I hate when people just will not play any of the songs, right? Made, and are only playing new stuff, but. Like, Wilco, to me, does the best mm. at that. That yeah. show that we both... Because I was yes. at the Ace Hotel mm-hmm. show as well. That was a perfect fucking, like... Because they played some, some yeah. shit off Schmilko. They played, like, like, probably four or five, maybe six songs from Yes. That. But then did, like, such a good, like... I don't know. There was so much... There was something for everyone. There. Yeah, exactly. You know? There was a lot um, of being there. A lot of ghost Summer porn. Teeth. I just got that on vinyl. Woo! Double record. Heck yeah. Um, yeah, and when I saw them last year, they played all of Star Wars... Because it's a really short record. Yeah, yeah. They did the whole thing, and then like two and a half hours of old Ooh. stuff. Nice, man. They can just represent, you know, everything. Yeah. Bob Dylan, I saw him at the shrine. I don't know. You got to let him do his thing. But he's right. just like nothing from those days. Dang. And I get it. Right. You know, he's in. He's into what he's into now, doing Frank Sinatra songs or <laughs> or jump blues and like... It's not necessarily what we expect from him, but right. that's okay. Yeah, I th- well, I think you got to do, like, it's cool when you see an artist that is kind of like, I don't know, like splits the difference. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it's yeah. like, yeah, like I got to, you know, 
give these people what the, like they have a relationship with my work you yeah. know um but at the same time it's like I'm, i want to push it forward a little bit you know and yeah elvis yeah. costello he's another one that i think he's always trying something new yeah but yeah, then he very much always so. um like he still sounds like the same person that wrote those early yeah, songs totally and i think he knows that and he's comfortable with it yeah he's fine playing allison and then playing yeah. a song that he wrote like last night <laughs> Yeah, because it, it, it's super like yeah, it's it's snobby or something and weird when when someone's like avoiding playing like <clears throat> I don't know like one of their biggest songs. But at the same time, I also feel bad for certain bands, and it's different with certain crowds. Like some crowds are a lot more respect respectful of their artists. Like just depending on who you're seeing. Like I was at this one. You were listening to Andrew Jackson Jihad, yes. folk punk band. Yeah, yes. I went to one of their shows and like super passionate fan base, like of, of which I am a part, but just annoying fans, like. And I felt so bad because, like, in between songs, people were just shouting at them, like, play, mm-hmm. you know, white face, black eyes, like, ah, you know, and, like, I, like you could just see the conflict in 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 Sean and, and the guys, like, just being like, thank you so much for being at our show, and I'm so honored that you know that song and you want to hear that song, but, like, I'm so sorry, like, we're going to play, like, we rehearsed a bunch of songs that we want to play and like maybe we can play that one next time, you know. And he's yeah, like trying to accommodate, yeah. and then people just like singing along, so, so, like in the, in a weird way, singing along to every song, you know, like singing the lyrics so loudly so that they like the person next to them will know that they know all the words, you know. Oh yeah, and not even letting so that if they want to change anything or do something a little bit differently, that they they like they have no room, you know. Like if they're not playing the records exactly like how they are. It it just feels like a trap almost, you know? It's a weird question of, like, how much do you owe the yeah. people that are listening to you? Yeah. Um, because, like, on one hand, yeah, they are paying money to see you. Right. Taking time out of their day. And you don't want them to be, like, dissatisfied. Totally. You want to put on a show. like. But at the same time, like, I think if you respect someone's music, you should trust them. Yeah. You know what I mean? To create an experience for you that's going to be different than the record. Yeah. Slightly like, or whatever. You know, when when Bernie said vote for Hillary to his fans, you know, <laughs> I did it. I did it. You yeah. know, because like Same. if you like, you know, everything that someone has done and stands for, like there should be they're allowed a certain level of of trust and credibility. Exactly. And like they think what they're playing for you to take it away from that political analogy, <laughs> you know, is worth hearing. Yeah, man. It's it's interesting watching like like uh, do you ever listen to Julian Baker? I've been about to. She's really. I was great, about man. to watch her Tiny Desk concert last night, dude. I fell asleep. She's before. really awesome. Yeah, I've seen her in concert twice, and she just has the coolest fan base of all time. Because like everybody, I started at the El Rey, mm-hmm. and like everyone was so excited, you know. And so like in between songs, they were going crazy. But then as soon as she would start, everybody would get super quiet, and like that's they would just the best. Let her do her thing, and then like occasionally, if there was like a kind of a big sing along thing, everybody would like respectfully sing along so that mm-hmm. she could still sing and you could right. still hear it but there was this like communal thing happening because like when everyone's singing along and, it, and it's about the inclusiveness of it it's really awesome and special mm-hmm. and transcendent and great but when people are just like annoyingly trying to prove that they know all the words it's like the worst you know it, it annoys really... me sometimes because it's like I'm at this concert tra- like I want to hear yeah. them do it <laughs> you know yeah, like, speaking of Father John Misty, I've, I've seen him a bunch of times, and he, uh, uh, one time, or a couple times he's, he's done, I went to the store one day just by himself. I love that song. And he, like, it's a bummer, it's a beautiful, beautiful song, and it's just a bummer because, like, every, at every 
Father Don Misty show, there's been like a really drunk group of girls that have just been like shouting the lyrics. And it's a bummer because he's like trying to take his time, especially with that. I went to the yeah. store. And so he's trying to do this dramatic pause. And I've seen him try to do it twice. And then just a bunch of drunk girls go like before he gets a chance to go stop. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, you killed the intimacy for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But I'm That's such a, a curmudgeon, you know, like I, I wonder how concerts. he feels about that. <laughs> I'm sure. I don't know. It was interesting because I saw him like there was this one group of girls. I was we were at the Wiltern and we were like front row and they were yelling at him all night. They were like, father, dance with me. You said last night you would come down here and dance with me. And just like after every single song, the whole fucking show. And like I was mad because I was trying to watch a show. And like I get mad when people don't let the artist kind of do their thing, you know, and I'm just like, let him talk you know what i'm saying he's like such an interesting guy you know like let him do the show it's weird because he has like a really intimate fan relationship exactly and i think it makes people feel kind of entitled totally to control it and and be that guy but they're kind of ruining it for everybody around him and so i was like and he handled a couple of things like really differently that i thought was so interesting like first of all and he's kind of famous for like saying like just really interesting stuff or like being transparent or ironic or whatever. And he didn't say anything for the first three songs, which I thought was like really like such a smart move. You know what I'm saying? He's just like, well, I'm going to get you guys on my side first. And then he started opening up and then there was like a fight breaking out or something like that. And, or people were starting to shout songs. They were like, play fun times in Babylon. And he was like, yeah, come on, tell me what you want. Tell me what you want. And then everybody was just shouting, you know, like he encouraged it for a second. And he was like, no, shut the fuck up. It's my show. I'm going to play what I want. And then he continued the rest of the show. So we kind of shut that down for a second. And then there was like a fight happening and he like, he kind of like called somebody out and was like, Hey, like, what are you doing? But anyway, so this girl that they were, they were kind of being annoying all night and I was expecting him to kind of like lay down the law. And he was like really, really sweet to them. Like towards the end, like he was like, Oh, Hey you guys. Like, I know I said I would dance with you, but like, I can't like logistically, it would be a nightmare. I'd have to get you a backstage pass. And then he like turned it into this big joke. But by, started with being nice to them, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was so fascinating to see him kind of like handle things both ways, you know? Cause like sometimes you have to be stern and be like, Whoa, 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 <laughs> like shut the fuck up you guys. And then yeah. sometimes you got to like love the heckler as opposed to like, you know, punish them, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just interesting to see. Yeah. One of my handle things. Differently. Yeah, totally. Uh, one of my favorite shows to see is John Bryan. Mm, I don't know. Him. Uh, he, um, <clears throat> He did the scores for like Boogie Nights, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Magnolia, Punch Drunk Love. Oh, okay. And he produced like a lot of Amy Mann Mann. and Fiona Apple. Nice. And but he has a solo album that's great. But anyway, he plays every month, Friday, last Friday of the month, except for at Largo. Yeah, this month it was this past Friday. Nice. And it's a super interactive show, no set list, so it's like. He'll play a few things and then he'll just be like, "What do you want to hear?" Yeah, and just like he knows just every song, and he That's he great. wants people to sing along. He just yeah. says like, "If you know this, sing along to it. Mm. If you know the harmony part, sing that. <laughs> if you know a horn part, sing that." Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and there's like it's just such a good balance, right? I mean, because you know when that's okay, and you know when it's time to yeah. get intimate and dark, and it's right. just like. I love stuff like that. I would never want to get to the point where I'm like playing arena shows and like I can't see anyone. Like, yeah. Horrible. 
Definitely. Give me like a hundred seat theater. <laughs> I'm good. I know. Like, honestly, like I think about that all the time. Like, honestly, the goal is like the will turn like, you know? <laughs> tops tops. Yeah. Cause that's, it's big enough to rock the house and feel like a big deal. But then like, there's still, it's still a theater. Like you can still, mm-hmm. the will turn is the goal. Eyes. Yeah. I'll settle for the Fonda, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. if I can, sure. Will turn. Yeah. That's where I draw the line. <laughs> no more. Oh man. Do Don't you, ask me to play the bowl. So that's the the dream. It's just records and and shows and all that. Yeah, stuff. I mean, I really love performing. Yeah. A lot of people don't enjoy it. A lot of people kind mm. of just like necessary I think, evil. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't feel that way at all. Same. That's my favorite part of it. <laughs> yeah. Really. When I write a song, I want to perform it for mm-hmm. people or yeah. record it. Like performing is probably where I have the most fun. To yeah. be honest, it's the most immediate response. Right. You know songs like are frustrating and take a long time yeah. recording you, recording <laughs> is never done you never know when yeah when to stop but true playing live it's just so fun yeah i love it it's an interesting like combination of things when you think about like the modern like music artist like i don't know because it's, it's kind of like six or seven things at once you know like just as far as somebody like being a writer being like a somebody like who records things you know and then like a performer at the same time and then like touring around and like it's a very interesting combination of stuff and like every step that I've taken towards that sort of vision I've been like oh I really like like gone being on tour <laughs> you know what I'm saying like it's like fun you know and about a lot of things that like potentially could be a drag that like oh I hate being in the studio but I love playing live or like the other way around you know yeah or, like, I just I feel fortunate that I just happen to enjoy all the aspects. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, it would be hard if I didn't like playing live and thought that I just had to do it. Right. Um, to plug yeah. your shit. <laughs> or record, you know, if I didn't care about recording. Yeah. Um, but, you know. But it's interesting, like, that, I don't know, that we're able to fall in love with every aspect of it because it's it's pretty weird. <laughs> you and know they're all saying? really different. I don't think there's any guarantee that if you like yeah. one thing, you'll like... All of these totally. aspects. But I mean, like, as far as a career model goes, like, I mean, it's it's only developed really in the last maybe, like, even 50 years. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, like they had just, like, when records came out and just being like, oh, I guess we should record our songs and, like, maybe put out, like, an album. And, like, okay, I guess mm-hmm. we can fit, like, 20 minutes on each side. And then it's, like, and then, like, touring starts developing to, like support the records and then there's this like writing cycle where you're like writing and recording and then touring and then like i don't know it's just like a very odd thing that even has, just like, becoming like most people didn't used to write their own songs yeah until like the 50s <laughs> totally know? and there were these very like single like oh i'm a performer and like i'm a writer and like yeah so this, this so weird separate. kind of hodgepodge thing that's developed is like so odd but like so cool <laughs> i'd like to do it all you know? yeah yeah <laughs> I'd like to play all the instruments on my record too. Yeah. That, what is that? I have that motivation too. And I've, I've found it with a lot of people. Like there's this urge to like do the Elliot Smith thing or the Kevin Parker thing and be like, this is I'm playing all of it, doing all of it. <laughs> I just you think know? it would be fun. And also yeah. probably it's an ego thing too. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably just like to say I did it all myself. Yeah. Um, I'm not good enough at, keyboards or or drums yet right. to really do Me that <laughs> i can i can have a drum part in my head that i like totally that someone else could play you know i can tell yeah. them what to play but yeah but to a ex- <laughs> very like technical 
approach. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> um, so that's where I go to the drum lab. But yeah. So eventually if I get to that place, that would be cool. But yeah. you got to work at it. Totally. It's not something that's guaranteed. Yeah, Piano's dude. hard. Piano's hard. <laughs> Drums are hard. It's hard. Play- music is hard. Music is hard. But it's cool, man. It's like, I don't know, especially like, just like fighting to be able to do it for a living, you know? Um, like there's just obviously so many people that want to do it because it's like you're you you're playing. <laughs> you know, you're messing around. And I forget like, that any kind of creative life is like a war of attrition, you know, and you just mm-hmm. got to like, sometimes I get like discouraged and I'm like, damn, like, you know, am I just going to keep re- yeah. recording EPs and then posting them on Facebook and then crossing my fingers for a couple hundred <laughs> plays on SoundCloud, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think that's maybe the more rational reason why I want to do everything Yeah, is cause then I don't have to just have this one thing that I can do that I hope someone wants me to do. Like, right. Because then I know I'd be okay, like, producing a record for it's someone. Expensive. It's just expensive to keep, especially as your taste and, like, production value keeps going up. It's, like, just get so much to, like, pay for And if you're a gearhead like I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're obsessed with guitars. Yeah. That's that's an expensive hobby, too. What kind of strings do you use, like, out of curiosity? I'm not a gear guy, but so I'm an I, I, I aspiring went down this, gear guy, but I'm just, like, not. I went down this rabbit hole of, like, strings and picks, like, really? what is my favorite pick? What is my favorite string? Mm-hmm. Like, I just wanted to... Every single element makes this just the slightest difference. The tone, yeah, totally. You know, and so I just started to become more aware of that. Um, strings... Oh God. Okay. So the short answer is I love John Pierce acoustic strings, mm-hmm. uh, phosphor bronze. Cause they're, they're like the coppery looking ones yeah. and the yellowy ones mm-hmm. and the coppery ones are phosphor bronze. Um, but they, they're not as modern. Like a lot of strings now have this coating on them. Yeah. That makes them last. Mm-hmm. And because I don't want to change strings every two weeks and like I, my hands get sweaty when I play totally. and ruin the strings. So I have elixirs, Right on my main guitar because I play it so much and I just don't want to change the strings a lot, even yeah. if it doesn't sound as good as the John Pierce. Right. So I use elixirs; it's a compromise, but I haven't changed yeah. them for like three months because they mm-hmm. last. I feel you. Electric strings, GHS. Um, I use eleven gauge, which is heavier than a lot of people. Right. Um, you, because again, yeah. that helps the tone as well on acoustic as well. You use elevens? No, I use twelves on acoustic. Twelves. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, 11s, a lot of people just love to do crazy bends and stuff. And like, I'm a little more restrained so I can do heavier strings. Yeah. And then bass strings, I'm such a dick about. Really? Yeah. What do you use for bass strings? Just because I hate the sound of round wound strings, which has been kind of the norm since the seventies or eighties. That's so interesting. Like, except for like punk, you know? Yeah. But, um, I'm really into like the sixties bass tone. Oh yeah. The Carol Kay, Jamerson. P bass mm-hmm. with flats on it. Um, Beautiful sound. So yeah, so yeah, that I, bright thing. Like especially like I just feel like a lot of modern like as a bass player, just so many people are into that like really bright. If you're in a f- rock band, I get it. Kind of sometimes, totally but like with that like Flea, amazing bass player. But mm-hmm. I feel like that's how, like how a lot of young players kind of model their tone after, and it's a very specific thing, and it's really bright and aggressive. And it aggressive, doesn't work for yeah. a lot of like, especially like songwriter music. Like mm-hmm. it's like, just and especially way too much. I like to play bass with a pick a lot, and yeah. so oh, that's the best. The flat wound, yeah, flat wound with a pick. Like 
round rounds with a big is a pick is just very harsh. It is. Um, so yeah, I'm a short scale bass guy because okay. I am a guitar player, but totally. I love flats and I'm such a dick about it. Like people in pop, Dude. I just wish everyone in my grade right now was changing their strings. But oh man, well, for Motown, the, it's I a mean, bummer. I was the only one in my grade that was like that used flats for those sections because I was like, guys, like <laughs> this, round strings didn't happen. Like they for, didn't literally <laughs> did not exist. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so everyone would have these bright ass bass tones for the for that whole first year, and I was just like, it what, doesn't what work. What are you guys doing? Like, <laughs> you yeah. Know? Or at least, like, roll your tone back or something. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I think, yeah, maybe, I don't know, Jocko ruined it or... Right. Or uh, <laughs> Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Those were kind of, like, the round wound. Dudes. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. John Paul Jones, man. I'm into strings. I'm always trying new strings. I'm glad I asked you, man. It's, yeah. I'm an it's aspiring a, gearhead. It's very really dorky. Not. It's pretty it's cool. Yeah. It's admirable. <laughs> yeah. It's just... I don't know. Some people don't care about it, mm. which is fine. I, yeah, it's fun for me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah, man. Yeah. You said religion, not your thing. No, but <laughs> strings and picks. Sure. Strings and picks. That's my religion. Heck yeah, yeah, man. No, I probably spend more time on reverb.com looking at gear yeah. than playing guitar. Mm. It's probably detrimental mm-hmm. to my playing. Yeah. But what else do you do, man? What else feeds your, Feeds your mind and heart besides the music town. Uh-huh. Besides music? Is there anything else or no? You know, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, these, I'm trying to read more. Movie. Yeah. I'm trying to read more. Me too. Um, it's so hard. I'm watching more TV and movies, <laughs> I, if that's the thing. Um, just finished Transparent. That was a good show. Oh, heck yeah. Um, I go camping. I love going camping. Mm. Love going hiking. Nice. I like getting out of LA and being outdoors. Yeah. Um, which you probably wouldn't expect. Um, yeah, doing more reading, getting into records, which is, I guess, a music-related thing. It was but it's not playing, so. <laughs> um, no, very into movies. I read a lot more this past year. It was my New Year's resolution. Heck yeah. I'm trying yeah. so hard. Like I've been avoiding, avoiding reading this semester because I've had so much for school to read that like every time I would want to read like for pleasure, I'm just like, oh, I should read my school shit. And then I'm like, I don't want to. So I'll just end up not reading, you know? Mm, and I yeah. love reading. And I like, I have so many books that I want to read. And every time that I read, I'm like, oh, this is great. Like, what a great way to spend time by yourself, you know? But I just played so many video games as a kid. Yeah. That like, I still, there's still a little part of me that has to will myself to read, you mm-hmm. know? And like, because it, I don't know, it just takes a, a little bit more. You just have more. to be in a certain space. Yeah. I think. And I haven't been in there lately. My attention span <laughs> is not good. Yeah. I've just I've been reading shorter books. What have you been reading lately? Anything? Um cool? I started a couple books that I haven't finished. What was the last book I read? Oh god. I don't even remember. Um I'm a big start. Like I'm ten pages into like thirty books. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. No, the last book I read was um the Levon Helm memoir from oh, the nice. band. Um yeah. I'm really into memoirs. That's mm. kind of really the the biggest books I read are bios or memoirs. Yeah. Elvis Costello's. That was a really long one. Mm. Um, Any particularly dope memoirs I should check out? Levon's was great. Yeah. Um, Elvis's was great. And then there's a good, pretty good biography on Elliot Smith. Um, mm. It's pretty good. It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, but fiction <laughs> wise, I read a book called Ask the Dust by this guy, John Fonte. It's from the 30s. 
takes yeah. place. I love things that take place in LA because I feel like yeah. I relate. I relate to them, you know. And so I've read a lot of stuff lately that takes place in LA. Like it's downtown. It's about like an aspiring writer who's um, just living in a cheap hotel in 30s downtown LA. And yeah, falls in love with a waitress. It's just and it's like written during that period. So it's oh heck yeah. It's kind of like a little a picture of this place in that time, which I like. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I know you're trying to not only talk about Elliot Smith, but just cause I know that you're, <laughs> you're very knowledgeable about the guy. Yeah, what what yeah. was missing from that memoir about him? What did you, the, I just, some of the tone of the, the author would just go into this. The author, the author is like a psychology professor or something. Uh-huh. And so he'll go into these page long, like analyses of oh. different lyrics and where he's really, rather than analyzing, just kind of taking quotes from the lyrics and like really unnecessary to me. Yeah. Um, it just ha- it he's fills psycho- up. Psych- psychoanalyzing Elliot? Yeah. Based and on and also, even though this might not be true, I don't know, Elliot like tried to emphasize a lot that like there was a difference between who he was and what his songs were. Right. And, like, and I, I it's a bad rap a lot of the time for being like big depressing yeah like, and it can be kind of an insult to assume that a writer can't write about anything but themselves mm-hmm. and their lives right their life their, their many lives yeah um because it's like you know it, it kind of takes some of the the imagination out of it yeah so in that book i just it was like yeah i've heard these songs I know the lyrics, like, yeah. tell me about the life. Like, I know the music. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's kind of how I felt. Um, mm, I see what you're saying. But other than that, there are some really great insights. Um, he managed to interview a lot of people. Mm. Um, yeah, I liked it more when I read it than I do looking back on it mm-hmm. or going back through it. Yeah. It's definitely a worthwhile read. Yeah. For sure. If you had to tell or his story, it. like... Where does, what would you focus on as far as him as like a dude? That's really hard because I can't deny that like, you know, I want to know about the dark stuff yeah. as well, you know? Yeah, we were talking about how that, that Heaven Adores You documentary like kind of glossed really over glosses it. glosses over the drinking and, and the I, drugs. You have to like, it, you have to be holistic about it. Um, yeah. So a lot of, like a lot of the interviews or the, when you see his friends, like everyone wants to say like, he was a really funny guy. Yeah. I think that's an important thing. Um, but I think it's just important to be balanced, which maybe the people that have made the bios and the movies have been a little too, they've been like too much of a fan. Yeah. Maybe to really be objective totally. about it. And I would not be able to be yeah. objective. You don't want to like be um, harsh to your heroes, you know? You exactly. But at the same time, them. that's one of the things I liked about the memoir was there were instances of him being kind of petty and selfish, manipulative. Right. Um, it's hard as a fan who kind of like turns people into like, you know, gods to kind of understand that they were people who had relationships and hurt people. And yeah. That's yeah. kind of a heavy thing to deal with but then you know the mm-hmm. songs have to come from somewhere right so um but i wouldn't know how to do something like that i would maybe <laughs> write a song i've tried writing songs oh really yeah about his life yeah stuff? but it's probably gonna just be an instrumental yeah Ooh. i think heck yeah i kind of like that freedom of like writing an instrumental and then the title just will tell you what it's about 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of a cop out because then it can be about <laughs> anything, right? You know, but it's also fun. I think there's a Ben Fold song about Elliot Smith on Is there? Songs for Silverman. I'll have to. Jensen was telling me to listen to Ben Folds. Oh man! Well, she assumed that I was a huge fan and that like mm. I was really influenced by him, but I'm not. So I have to check him out. He's great, man. Like I mean, um, yeah. Just there's a record, uh, whatever and ever, Amen. That's the Ben Folds Five. Okay. Because um, he did. Uh, he was he was in this trio, three piece rock yeah. band that was piano, bass, and drums, and then all vocals and stuff. And then his first like solo pop record is really awesome too. And that's what we were talking about, like different production styles mm-hmm. or whatever. And like all the Ben Folds Five stuff is like pretty raw, and just like three elements or whatever. And then his first solo record came out, and it's like crazy overproduced, but it's really awesome, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's cool to see like him as like the same kind of writer, but in a totally different context, and it totally working. I did but. see him on a double bill with Elvis Costello. Oh, at the uh, at the gr- at the bowl. The bowl. I was there. Really? Yeah. The, with the L.A. Phil. It, yeah. Yeah. Don't, he's. That show was cool and stuff, but like, don't if you were like not sure about Ben Folds after that. I mean, show? that was my first time seeing Elvis live too, and it was right. not the the quintessential exactly. experience. You know? Yeah, like I, it was cool. It was cool as a Ben Folds fan to see um, him do because he was doing the concerto thing at the time that mm-hmm. he had just written, which is like just badass. Like you know the fact that he started in this like rock band and then like did a bunch of acapella shit and then like a bunch of great pop stuff and then now he's like you know trying his hand at classical which i just think is cool when bringing different worlds together and stuff i like when people try new things yeah and i always i try to give the artist kind of the benefit of the doubt right in terms of like overproduction just because <laughs> i know that like yeah i when it's my own thing i think so differently about it right like i don't know in his book like elvis talked so passionately about all these side projects that I had kind of dismissed as just kind of self-indulgent little Mm -hmm. whims, like a record with a string quartet or like writing a ballet and like, but then he was talking about this thing he did with Burt Bacharach and I checked it out and I love it so much. It's so schmaltzy and cheesy (laughs) Burt Bacharach production, but it also just works. Right. I don't know. It's a trust thing. You know, you have to just, when you see how much it means to the artist, I think it's worth giving it a chance. Totally, man. I would check out the first two Ben Folds 5 records. I will. And then his first solo record. I think those are the the key ones. Are those chronological? Two records with Ben Folds 5? Three Ben. There were three records. And the third one's really good, too. Um, And then he did a solo thing. And then all that shit. But, oh, it's just great, man. It's great stuff. Got it. Yeah. I will do that. Thanks for doing my podcast. I have a question for you. Do you? Oh, shit. This is unprecedented. So when you write, because you do your solo thing and you do the Nova Darlings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you're writing a song, do you think this is going to be a Nova Darling song or this is going to be a Mackin song? Oh, man. That's a good question. Um, So like a lot of the best, hmm, sometimes I never like intentionally will start writing it you know before like before i even pick up a guitar like i'm gonna write a nova darling song you know because a lot of the note like mo- like the nova stuff is all very collaborative and most of the way that we write is where we'll all kind of jam on something and then we'll kind of t- and then i'll take it home and then we'll scribble some stuff down and then we'll kind of piece it together ourselves you know but occasionally like the difference that i found because there are some songs that i'll bring in or something like that or or sketches that i'll bring in or or ideas and 
it has to for me like because that is such a band thing and it's not like Mac and Ann, the boys <laughs> you know what I'm saying that um, it has to feel like there's room for an arrangement for them oh, yeah. to so everybody can sink their teeth into it and it can become ours you know because there's mm-hmm. a big difference when you're playing with a band and it's like songwriter plus production and then like this is a band you know yeah and like when we started we had a couple different people singing and like we didn't really have a sense of identity and it felt kind of like yeah just like a bunch of songwriters messing around you know Mm -hmm. and so like i tried at least to be conscious about the stuff that we all play so that it feels like a band stuff so if, if i have like a three chord folk song i'm like this has no place in the band but right. um but sometimes it's good to challenge yourself on that because sometimes it's like especially with like jeff tweedy you know what i'm saying oh, Cause yeah. like he'll ha- like a lot of those wilco songs you can tell that at their core they're, they're like such a sparse thing mm-hmm. but then they build this elaborate tapestry on the top of it totally you know? which i love just how they will make a song completely not what you think it would be yeah you know what i mean exactly. they'll like like right, go to the right on the chorus and then <laughs> like, back to the hi-hat. Because <laughs> for me, like, there's something satisfying about doing exactly what you would expect in a production. Like, yeah. I have, like, a very smooth 70s, like, jazzy song, and I want to just do it all the way. Congas, yeah. rain stick, roads, like... Yeah. But then I would also love to see, like, what else could this be? Mm-hmm. You know? Do, do they yeah. contribute lyrics at all, the other members of the band? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, and then like, it's, there's no, uh, I don't know. There's no precedent, you know, like I, I, I tend to write a lot of the lyrics like I have so far, you know, but then we'll, we'll workshop stuff together and like Carter, cause everybody writes in the band. So like everybody will, people will tweak lines here and there mm-hmm. or suggest things. And, um, Jack DeMeo used to play in the band. And so that was, he did a lot of that back in the day. Um, but yeah, so like bringing a song to the band which doesn't happen as much as far as like a full song goes. Like we like to write together for the stuff that we do together. But I'd say like in those cases, it has to be something that I like really couldn't really do on my own, totally. you know? And there has to be like, Oh, I don't know where it could go here. I, I analogize it to like when we do do something that's like, Oh, this is clearly Nova versus like mm-hmm. Mac and is like, we all have like these different pieces of Play-Doh that are all different colors and then we all kind of mash it together. And then by the end, it's like brown or something. It's just like a weird gray. Yeah. And you can't tell whose is whose anymore, you know? Because that's the, the best part about being in a band is like getting to that kind of like transcendent level of joy where it's like bigger than you. Totally. And it's, yeah. it's I mean, that's more what, fun. That's what I get out of being in a duo. Yeah. It's like the songs don't sound like my songs. Exactly. Know? And if ever I have an idea that I want to bring in, like I have to ask, like, is this too much of myself? Mm-hmm to where the other member can't get inside the song and, and exactly. continue it. You know what I yeah. mean? So you, exactly. It's the same thing. It's like, is there room to, for other people to mm-hmm. place themselves inside? Because I've tried sometimes to bring something that's like clearly just macking, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's it doesn't work. It doesn't fit the context. Yeah. So it's, it's a combination of doing something that you think would work in the context and then, but also trying to push it and expand the context, you know? Because you don't want to just do like predictable... Oh, like, but I'm going to bring the angsty indie rock one into this context because that's mm-hmm. what we do. Like, it's fun right. to, to mix it up. And especially, mm-hmm. like, we're such a young band. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Like, we, we try, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I like to think that we don't have a 
super specific sound. Mm-hmm. So it's tricky because you want to have an identity, but you also don't want to have like a shtick or a gimmick. Yeah, I never want to be like. <laughs> I don't. It's hard. It's a hard time to um to say what genre you are. Like yeah. when people ask you like. What kind of music do you play? <laughs> I know. What do you sound like? It's it's really hard. I, it's really hard. I, I used to get pop punk a lot, which is really interesting because like I don't think my stuff really sounds like that at all. But I think people that aren't familiar with maybe the kind of like music that I specifically listen to kind of hear like nasal vocals over like rock stuff. Yeah, it would be like, a little less nuanced of a yeah like classic like totally. classification like you know? from a distance yes it's definitely in mm-hmm. that category but rather than the specific <laughs> artist like i see where you got that chord change yeah, yeah yeah who do you say when people say like or people are you're in an uber or something and oh like, god oh, i've been talking like? to a lot of uber drivers lyft drivers <laughs> actually to be precise mm. about music i don't know i've been running into like yeah. i my uber driver the other day was was a producer yeah um i don't it's so annoying to answer that question it is to yeah. people because then i'm scared that they won't know any of the people that i'm referencing and right. it won't help them at all yeah so you have to do the family tree like exactly maybe instead of saying like john bryan or elliot smith or the pernice brothers i'll say the beatles right because those guys <laughs> listen to the beatles same so i'll just say i'll be vague i'll be like i'm really into 60s like pop um, 60s pop like the Beach Boys and yeah. I don't know I throw out everyone that I've tried to copy you yeah. know in my life <laughs> yeah totally man that's kind of it I feel you dude mm-hmm. I, I definitely th- I like I throw out Bob Dylan for the folk stuff even though like oh, yeah. it's different but like that gets the idea across it's like totally trying to do stuff, that's most stuff with words frame of reference exactly right. yeah, yeah. Um, but the rock stuff gets very like I get really defensive about that one because oh, so yeah. many people throw names on there where i'm like no 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 yeah <laughs> it's nothing oh, no. Like i got a review comparing me over and over again to an artist that i no offense like really can't stand yeah um <laughs> who like who i hadn't really listened to but i worked at you know mccabe's guitar shop yeah so i worked at the concerts for them over the summer nice and there was this guy there um who played and like i just his music was so bad to me. Just like this like <laughs> cutesy, like Jason Marazzi, Jack Johnson-y mm, type yeah. of like, I don't know, like yuppie couples in their early thirties would like, you know, yeah. no, no offense to anyone. Um, that's yeah, pretty, no to yeah. each their own. But. And I just hated his music so much. And then I got this review that just kept saying like how much I sounded like this guy <laughs> that I like never listened to. Yeah. It was really interesting. It's frustrating. It's tough trying to... Maybe we have more in common than I thought. <laughs> Maybe I should give him a chance. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's frustrating when you see yourself one way and, and um, I don't know, people are kind of putting you in like, oh my God, yeah, it sounds like... Yeah. But I'm sure Johnson I do that with people. Right. You know? So... Yeah. Well, you need a shorthand to some degree. Like, there's no avoiding it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, man. Yeah. Thanks for doing my podcast, dude. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course, man. Do you want to say anything? I played... So we like when people are hearing this, I'll have put the first song, which was <clears throat> hitting all the reds. Yes, that's the name of it. Correct. Cool. Is that almost the name of it, or was that? No, that is the name of it. It's okay. called hitting all the reds. Sweet. And the one um, that people are about to hear as this is closing. It's going to be called interloper. It's Dope. on the record that was before this last one. Sick. I wrote it four years ago. This month. You. Yeah. And so Mason Summit. Yeah, Apple Music. That's me. Everything. Spotify. Spotify for everywhere. cheap. iTunes. Yeah, Apple Music. Yeah, Amazon Music. Yes. Google, Google Play. 
Heck yeah. Yeah. Nice, all of man. it. And uh, there's a video, too, for hitting all the reds. Dope, dude. That you can watch. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you. Here 